All right, man, I love it. What's up, Reckless? How are we tonight? Yes. Man, great worship and, um, man, great message. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, see some familiar faces and so, a lot of unfamiliar faces. So, um, and we're glad you guys are here. If this is your first time, we are, we're so glad that you're with us. All right, so tonight we are starting a brand new series about heaven. So how many of you guys, uh, you're excited about that? I don't know. Yeah. Kind of want to go there. Sounds like a cool place, maybe. You know, all of us might, might want to learn more about it and all that kind of stuff. So we, I'm excited about this series uh, and where we're going to be going over the next five weeks. And I will promise you that there will be things that you thought were true about heaven that you will understand is not true. There will be things that you will think when you first hear them is ridiculous that will not happen in heaven that in fact is true about heaven. And so there's so many things that we're going to cover over the next five weeks and, uh, and so much impact and relevance to your life tonight and where you sit. So I uh, encourage you guys. I'm excited about this. This is something we've been planning since the summer. And, um, and ironically enough, it's, it, it seems like the timing of it, us starting uh, tonight and this week, um, I don't think the timing could be better. I don't know, probably a lot of you guys have heard, watched the news over the last few days or, or been around, but our, um, our church over the last week got a chance to host a, uh, the, the visitation and the service for um, the Paulding County Sheriff's Officer, uh, Corporal Driscoll, that was um, for him and his daughter that, uh, that were killed along with his wife and stepson in, um, in a murder-suicide. And um, just a heartbreaking situation um, watched over the last few days as you know, thousands of people came in, many of which just walked in the room going, I, I, don't, know, I don't know that I have any hope right now because of what's just taken place. Um, for you, you students that are at South Paulding, I know a lot of you guys lost a, a classmate uh, on New Year's Eve in a tragic shooting. Um, so many of you guys recently have lost a, a family member or a friend, or someone that you, that you really uh, loved and valued, that was a part of your life. And, um, and it's just reminded me, over the last few days especially, that it, it just seems like the reality of death is all around us. That we are constantly bombarded, whether you turn on the news, or you know, you've, you've dealt with that personal situation of loss, that death is a real part of life. That death is the reality. And for a lot of us, we... And, and really all of us, we either have been or we will in the future uh, experience a, a close and personal loss of somebody. And so the reality is, is that death is a part of this life. That death is something that unfortunately we come all too close to understanding and experiencing and living through. And we see that up close and personal and it's ugly. And the, the truth about for us as humans is that death, not only is it a part of life, but it is something, that, it is a problem that all of us face. It is a reality that whether it's tomorrow or whether it's 50 years from now, all of us will have that day come when we will breathe our last and our life here on this earth will be over. That that is the reality for all of us, that it's morality and, or not morality, it is it is mortality, and the mortality rate is 100%, that all of us will die. We will all face that moment. And I don't want to be morbid, but I, I just want, in order to, to kind of 
paint the picture of where we're trying to go and, and get to that point. I think it's important for us to understand the reality of death. And maybe you guys understood these stats, maybe you've heard these before, but worldwide, every three seconds, someone dies. Over the next hour, there will be 180 people that will die. Excuse me, 180 people every minute. I can't even talk. That every minute, 180 people die. That from the time that I'm up here on the stage over the next few minutes, that there will be over 5,000 people that will die. Which just, when I think about that, just blows my mind that that's, that's the, the reality. That every single day, on average, there will be 250,000 people that will pass away. That will breathe their last and, the, and this life will be over. So if that's the case, then it would be a very wise thing for all of us to figure out what happens after we die. Because it will happen often, it does happen often, and it will happen to all of us at some point or another. And our time on this earth, and whether we live to be you know, 20 years or we live to be 60, 70, if we're really blessed, we live 80 or 90 years. The truth is our time on this planet is so short in light of eternity. And if the Bible is true, if what the Bible says about eternity and life and heaven and hell, if all of that is true, then why is it that we, so, that we focus so much attention on the things of this earth which are temporary and rarely ever focus on the things of heaven which are eternal? Why is it that we never think about those things, that we get so caught up in the day-to-day life and the things that one day will pass away And we never think very often about those things that will last into eternity. So if you and I are going to spend eternity somewhere, then shouldn't we learn everything that we possibly can about this thing and where we're going to spend eternity? Now, let me ask you a a couple of questions. What do you, what do you think of when you think of heaven? When you think of heaven whatever that looks like for you, whatever image pops in your mind, when you think of heaven, does it inspire you or does it bore you? When you think of heaven, does it motivate you toward action or does it leave you unimpressed? When you think about the idea of heaven, is it something that you think about often, that you constantly find yourself thinking about what will be one day? Or do you find yourself rarely thinking about heaven much at all? See, whatever our answer is to those questions, that will determine what we really understand about the realities of heaven, what we will experience one day, and what thoughts we have. Now, I don't know about, about you and some of the things that you've heard, or, or maybe even the things that you, that you feel are true about heaven. But I've heard, I hear a lot of, either wrong ideas or misconceptions about what heaven will be like. I mean, you hear a lot of different things, and heaven's not something that's not talked about. I mean, you know, there's movies that come out about boys that die, and they go to heaven, and they see Jesus, or they see their little, you know, their little sister or whatever, and then they come back, and they tell everybody. There's, you know, stories or books of doctors who have gone, and they see this tunnel of light, and they go through the tunnel, but then they come back. There are you know, songs that are written about heaven. There are all of these ideas. I mean, every religion 
that's in this world has some idea or view about heaven or about some kind of uh, enlightenment state. See, heaven is talked about a lot, but a, a lot of them are misconceptions. Maybe even if you think about some of the ideas that you have about heaven. And a lot of the ones that I've heard, quite honestly, sound really, really boring. Maybe you've had the view of heaven of, man, heaven one day is going to be, you know, we're all going to be hanging out on some clouds. You know, we're going to be sitting around and, you know, we're going to be wearing these white robes. And, uh, you know, somebody's going to be stroking a harp. And uh, there'll be Indian music playing or, you know, something weird. And, um, and that's kind of what we feel heaven's going to be like. And, uh, and I don't, maybe you like clouds or you like robes or Enya or harps or whatever. But that sounds like a total bore fest to me. To think that I'm going to spend the rest of eternity hanging out on a, cl- on a cloud in a robe. All right? That doesn't sound exciting to me. That doesn't sound like something that I want to sign up for. Or maybe your view of heaven is this endless church service that where we sing song after song after song after song after song with no break for all eternity. And that's what heaven is like. And we hear that and we think, man, I, that doesn't sound very exciting to me. And then we feel guilty because we have that thought, like, man, that's, I, I should look forward to an endless church service. Like, that should be amazing. And yet we look and we're like, man, I can barely, some nights, you know, by the time we sing four songs at Reckless, I'm ready to sit down and move on to the next thing. And so if that's the case for you, then an endless church service for all eternity is not something that's all that enticing to you. So we have all of these ideas or these views and which are, are so often misconceptions about what heaven is really going to be like. And because so many of them don't sound exciting to us, it becomes something that we don't look forward to, nor do we ever really spend much time at all thinking about. And we fail to really understand how incredible heaven really will be like. There's even one pastor who you would think, you know, Pastors should be more excited about heaven than anybody else. But he actually admitted, he said this, he said, whenever I think about heaven, it makes me depressed. I'd rather just cease to exist when I die. That's a, that's a pastor at a church, not this church, or not any church that I even know about, but is a pastor on staff at a church who's communicating, probably reads hopefully God's word, and is communicating that out, and he looks at heaven as something that is so boring and so depressing that he'd rather just cease to exist than to go to that place. See, we create all of our ideas and views and, and things, and so many of them are misconceptions. And they're wrong ideas and, and wrong understanding of what heaven will really be like. And where we get all of those misconceptions from is from our enemy, Satan. In Revelation thirteen six, here's what it says about Satan. It says, he, Satan, spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. So what this verse says is there are three things primarily that Satan slanders. That Satan tries to distract us from or to help to keep us from really understanding what's true about it. It's God's person, who God is. It's God's people, you and I, if we claim to love Jesus and follow Jesus. And he tries to slander God's place, heaven. 
And it makes sense that, that the enemy would try to slander God's place heaven because that was the place that used to be his home before God kicked him out, back before the world began. So it would make sense that he would try to get us to have wrong views and misconceptions and false ideas about what heaven is to the point that we don't look forward to that place. And not only do we not look forward to, but then we start focusing all of our attention and effort and make important the things that really we shouldn't focus on and make important. See, Satan doesn't need to convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He just needs to convince us that it's not as exciting as it actually is. So my kids are insanely obsessed with Disney World. All right? Like, obsessed. All right? How many of you guys have been to Disney World? You love it. You wear Mickey Mouse shirts around. All right, maybe not that. All right, you love Disney World. All right, that's my kids, man. They love, they love Disney World, and they think about it all the time. And they are always watching Disney Channel, and anything that has to do with Disney, if it's Mickey Mouse or Frozen or Toy Story or any of that stuff that is any way affiliated with Disney, man, that's, that's what they think about. That's what they want. So what they want desperately is they want to stand at the castle at Magic Kingdom and they want to watch the fireworks go off at the end of the day. They want to walk through the park and they want to high-five Mickey Mouse and Donald and Goofy and all of those other characters. They want to hug on a princess, you know, especially my boys. Like they want to do all of that kind of stuff. They want to ride every ride in every single park, not one time but a hundred times. I mean, they want to go through the, the hotels and they want to see everything that, that is involved with Disney World, the place Disney World. I mean, they are completely and utterly obsessed with Disney World. To the point that all, almost on a weekly basis, they'll ask me, Dad, when can we go to Disney World? Dad, when can we go to Disney World? Dad, can we go to Disney World tomorrow? You know, like we can just hop in a car and, and make that happen. I mean, they are obsessed do you know what the craziest thing is about their obsession with Disney World? They've never been there before. I mean, no joke. They have never stepped foot on the grounds of Disney World, ever, in their life. They've never stood at the castle and watched the fireworks go off. They've never seen Mickey Mouse in person and high-fived Mickey Mouse. They've never ridden any ride at any Disney World park whatsoever. So how is it that my kids can be so obsessed and excited about something that they've never seen or been to before? Here's why they're so obsessed and excited about it. Because a very clear picture of what it's like has been painted for them. They've seen the commercials, all right, as they're watching Disney Channel because, man, Lord knows they, they drive those commercials home because they want every kid to wear out their mom and their dad to say, will you please take me to them so we can drop $5,000 and go to Disney World, all right? So they see all the commercials, and they want, they want to be there. They've talked to their friends and heard stories from their friends of how amazing that place is. 
Angie and I talk about it with them and how cool it would be if we went together. So they believe that it's a magical place because of all of the things that they've heard and they want to go see it for themselves. Now imagine if my kids had never seen or heard about Disney World. They had no frame of reference, no idea about what it was like. And they're like, you know, one day I'm like, hey kids, you guys want to go to this place called Disney World? And they're like, well, I don't know, Dad. You know, what's it like? And so I'm like, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of a cool place. You know, I mean, we, you know, we drive, drive down, and this is this place that we have, you know, we stand in line for hour after hour after hour. And, um, and we're surrounded by total and complete strangers that we don't know, and a lot of them smell bad, and they're real sweaty because it's hot, and, you know, you're baking in the sun all day. And, and man, it's, it's super expensive. So actually, you know, you guys won't get Christmas presents this, this Christmas because we've got to pay to, to be able to go to Disney World. Um, and and it's, it's actually, you know, we'll have to ride in the car for like eight or nine hours. I mean, it's, it's kind of a long drive. But, uh, but man, does that sound cool? You guys want to go? Yeah, let's do it. See, and my kids, if, if I painted that kind of picture of Disney World to my kids, they would want no part of it. It wouldn't be something that they're obsessed with. It wouldn't be something that they think about very often. It'd be something that they look at, and it'd be a 30-second conversation. They say, no thanks, doesn't sound fun to me. And the same is true when it comes to heaven. As long as we don't have a clear picture of what heaven is actually like, then it won't ever be something that we look forward to or keep our sights set on. But the truth is, just like my kids are obsessed with Disney World, we ought to have such a clear understanding and picture about what heaven will be like that it is something that we think about often. It's something that we can't stop thinking about. I mean, it's something that we look forward to and we go, man, I cannot wait for the day that I can leave this world behind and step foot and spend eternity with God in heaven. That's the way that we ought to look and see heaven. Now, there are over 900 verses that talk about heaven in the Bible, all right, that refer to heaven in some way, which is a lot of verses, all right? And the reason there's so many of them, I think, is because God wants us to understand what heaven is going to be like and the place that he's prepared for us. God doesn't want us to fill our mind with all of these misconceptions and false ideas and boring thoughts about what heaven is going to be like. God wants us to have a clear picture and an understanding of the way that we're going to spend eternity for those of us that have a relationship with Jesus. God wants us to understand what it's going to be like so that it can be something that we set our sights on and constantly look forward to. What God wants for us is he wants us to see it with our minds and hearts until the day that we can see it with our eyes. And that's such a big deal because the things that we think about are based on what we can see. So as long as we walk through life and all we see is sin and death and brokenness and hopelessness, as long as that seems to be the things that we constantly focus on, then we're going to walk through life feeling awfully hopeless. But if we train our minds to see the things that God has prepared for us, if we train our minds to see God's love and God's faithfulness and God's goodness and all of the incredible things that God has in store for us, 
then we will live with hope. We will live with this assurance and this expectation of what God has for us one day. So here's what I want to do over the next few minutes. I want to give you guys the main point, and then let's just kind of dissect it for a few minutes. All right, here's the main point for us. Our sight should be set on heaven as our hope, our home, and our reward. Our sight should be set on heaven as our hope, our home, and our reward. We're going to talk over the next five weeks a lot about heaven and what it's going to be like and a lot of things that you never thought were going to be true. And you'll, as we're talking about that, you'll be like, that, he made that up. That's not true. And then we'll, we'll study it together. I mean, there's going to be so many things. There's going to be so many of your questions that, you, that you're going to have answered over the next five weeks. And what we want to make sure over the course of this series is that all of us begin to set our sights on heaven. That we stop focusing so much on the temporary and we start looking at the eternal. And we do it as our hope and our home and our reward. So let's talk about this. The first thing is that our, it's our hope. Here's what the definition of hope, or a couple of them. Hope is the belief that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. All right, that's one definition. Now, here's the second one. Don't miss this. Hope also is a person or a thing in which expectations are centered. All right, it is that purpose or that thing that we look at, that our, we expect and we focus completely on. All right, that's what it means to have hope in something. Now, in order to ha- for us to have hope, it's got to be something that's worthy of hope. All right, and for example, I put my hope in, and I've talked about this before, I put my hope in crappy sports teams. All right, and I mean, when I say crappy, I mean like big ball of poop. All right, that's just, that's my, that's my team. And, um, and every year, Every year, man, beginning of the season, I'm like, man, this is, this is our year. This is it, man, Redskins. Man, this, is, this is our year. Man, we're not going to go 4-12. and 12. We're not going to have a top five draft pick. No way. We're winning this thing, man. This is, this is our year. And then RG3 rips his leg off again, and, you know, our coach is terrible, and the season falls apart by week three, and that's, that's it. And then I'm like, what happened? All right, I've got an insane amount of hope right now, and maybe it's cautious hope about the Mets as this baseball season kicks up, all right? We've put all, we're starting to put all the pieces in place, man. This, you know, this is our year. We're definitely going to beat the Braves because the Braves suck. So at least we've got that going for us, all right? So I hope for that. Man, a few Braves fans in the, in the crowd. So that's, that's what I do. But the truth is, I can put hope in those things, but all you've got to do is look at the track record and, and realize pretty quick that that's not something that deserves any, any amount of hope whatsoever. All right? That's actually just stupidity for me to put my hope in those things season after season. Now, let me ask you something. And you don't have to talk back to me, but I, I want you to, to think 100% honest where you're at right now tonight about this question. Do you live with hope? As you walk through life every single day, do you have hope? And I don't mean in a crappy sports team or, you know, something else or that, you know, today a girl will talk to you or what. I'm not talking about those kind of things, all right? Man, I, 
I'm, I'm so tired of seeing story after story of somebody else who just feels like they are completely hopeless, that they have no reason to live, and they take their life. And it happens far too often. And every single time it happens, man, it, it breaks my heart. And especially as it involves you guys, who in so many ways have your whole life ahead of you. And that you could, for whatever reason, as a 14 or 15 or 16, 17-year-old teenager, come to a place in your life where you would feel like there is nothing to hope in. That you have no reason to walk through life every single day with hope. I mean, it breaks my heart. Man, do you guys live with hope? Do you live with hope as you look at the sin all around us, if, as, as we're constantly inundated with, with death and brokenness and all of that stuff that's in our life, do we still walk through life every single day with hope? With hope that God is bigger. With hope that God is in control. With hope that God is who he says he is. That he is not just standing idly by, off in the corner, doing nothing about our life or the things that go on, but that God is actively involved, that God is engaged with the things that go on in our life. That whatever temptation we face or whatever sin or area that we can't seem to get past, do we walk through life with hope, believing that God is bringing us freedom from that thing? That God is going to give us the victory? Do we walk through life with hope, believing and knowing that this world and this life is not all there is. See, the truth is what heaven, what heaven is given to us to be is, is our hope. Something that we set our sights on. Something that our expectations are centered on. That the truth is the only thing that is worthy of our hope is God and his dwelling place. That that is what we can put our hope in. Not only that there is a heaven out there, but that you and I will spend eternity with God and it will be free from sin and it will be free from pain. And we won't have to stare death in the face anymore. That one day it will go away. It will be conquered forever. And we will never have to experience that or be a part of that again. And that's what hope is given to us to be, is, is something that we focus on, that we put our hope on. Listen to what Colossians 1, 4, and 5 says. It says, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. So the first thing is that heaven is our hope. The second thing is that it is our home. I mean, you guys think about home and what, what home represents for us. And maybe, maybe for some of you guys, you think about home, you think about your house, you think about the chaos with mom and dad or the dysfunction or some of the, the, the rough situations that you deal with. But what home is meant to be, what the definition of home is, is it is the, the place where we reside. But more than that, it's the place that aligns with our heart. It's the place where we feel like we belong more than anywhere else. It's the place that we long to be, the place where hopefully we feel the most comfortable, the place that whenever we're there, we know that this is our place, this is home, this is where we belong. Now, what I want to make sure that, that we understand tonight 
and this is going to be really important as we move through this series, is to understand that this world in its current state is not our home. Let me say it again. This world is not our home. This is not our home. This is not where we were created to live for all eternity. This isn't the place that most aligns with our heart. This isn't that place where we belong more than anywhere else. And the challenge is for us is that so many of us make this our, our primary focus. This becomes the only thing that we think about. We feel like this is the place where we belong. And all of the things, if this is home, then all of the things that this world has to offer are also there for us. They were created for us to enjoy. And if we have that mindset, then we'll get caught up in all of those temporary things that at the end of the day don't really fully, fully satisfy our lives like we think that they're going to. And so many of us, we, we don't focus on the eternal because we're so focused on the day-to-day stuff. We put all of our focus and all of our importance on that relationship. Because we feel like that's what, should, that's what should be given to us. Because we feel like that's something that is here on earth and this is our home and that's all we think about. So those are the things that we focus on. And so many of us focus all of our attention on the things of this earth because we believe that this is our home. But if we set our sights on heaven and understood that that is really, as the Bible says, that is our home, then we would stop focusing so much on the temporary and we would start focusing so much more on the things of heaven. And as a result of us focusing more on the things of heaven, we would find ourselves not getting so worked up and so caught up and so broken and devastated over these things that are temporary that we try to find so much significance in. But rather, we would have our sights set on the place that God has prepared for us. Listen to what Philippians 1.27 says. It says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Here's the other amazing thing about heaven. Heaven is our home. Not only that, but God is also is, is making and preparing us to each have our own specific home. All right, listen to what John 14, 1 and 3 says. Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, he says this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. In my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. So the amazing thing is, is that God right now is, Jesus is in heaven preparing our home for us. That heaven in a larger sense, the, the big heaven is our home but also that God is preparing for each of us our own specific home, our place, 
what we can call home. So you think about what kind of things that do you do at home when you go home? What does that look like for you on a daily basis? What kind of stuff do you do at your house? I mean, you think about it, you guys, you go home, you relax, you eat, you drink, you play video games for like six hours. You know, you, you, go to, you fall asleep, you laugh, you hang out, you get comfortable, you work, you play. I mean, there's all these different things that we do at home. And the cool thing is, as we get through this series, we'll talk about if so many of those things we do on our earthly home here, then shouldn't we expect to do a lot of those same things when we get to our heavenly home? And that's where I, I say so many of these things as we talk about are going are to open your eyes to see man, how, how many amazing things there are that we'll do on a daily basis. That it's not just sitting on a cloud playing a harp or singing an endless song after song after song, but rather be so many daily details, so many adventures, so many incredible things that God has prepared for us to do every single day. Here's the last thing. It's our reward. Here's what this means for us if we live understanding that heaven is our reward. It means that the way that we live on earth matters. It means that every single day as we go through life, the decisions that we make, the things that we focus on, all of that stuff is important. Because everything that we do here on earth, we will be rewarded for in heaven. So all of those things, the way that we love people, how we serve those people, even our enemies, and how in those situations we chose to to walk in obedience to what God had called us to do, even when it seemed like there was no one standing next to us. The way that we live and choose to live our life and focus on God now and live in accordance to what God has called us to do, all of those things we will be rewarded for when we spend eternity in heaven. And for us to get at the end of our life and not look back and go, man, I made made so much of my life about stupid things that have no significance. Man, I made all of these piles of cash, but I'm going to... When I breathe my last, all of that stuff's going to stay here and it's going to be meaningless. Or we choose to build our life on something significant, something that matters, something that's eternal. And we choose to live every single day in such a way knowing that all of those things, even though they're difficult to do now, and even though sometimes it would be a whole lot easier if we chose to, to live the way the world wants us to live but we chose to walk in obedience and we found significance and hope in who God is. And heaven stands to be our reward one day for all of those things that we chose to do. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And what an amazing promise that we can hold on to as we set our sights on heaven and the realities of heaven 
knowing that all of those things we will be rewarded for and we will share in his glory in the end. So our sight should be set on heaven as our hope, our home, and our reward. I'm close with a story. In 1952, young Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, determined to swim to the shore of mainland California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats accompanying, accompanying her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother, in a boat alongside, told her that she was close and that she could make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and she was pulled out of the water. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than half a mile away. At a news conference the next day, she said, All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have just seen the shore, I would have made it. Man, I I really honestly believe that the reason why so many of us struggle as Christians is because every single day we can't see past the fog. We get so caught up again in the temporary. We allow this world and what it says is important to define who we are and what we make important. And because so many, because so many of us do that, we struggle and we can't really see in light of eternity the way that God wants us to. And I honestly believe if we would choose to look through all of those distractions if we would choose to set our sights on the reality of heaven and what God has prepared for those of us who love him, then we wouldn't struggle nearly as much as we do. And we would find ourselves living with significance and hope and things that matter. As I said at the outset, what what my desire as we go through this series is that we would choose to set our sights on heaven. Not on heart music and Enya, all right? But on the truth of what God has prepared for us. To study, to look into the reality of what God has prepared, what that will be like for us. And to set our sights on heaven in such a way that we don't get caught up in the distractions and in the fog. But we focus on reality, on the reality of heaven so that we can live the life that God's called us to live. And at the end, we stand before him, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Here is what I have prepared for you. It is your hope, it is your home, it is your reward. Let's pray. God, thank you for this night. God, I thank you. God, that you desire for us to get a very clear picture of heaven. That you don't desire for us just to make up some of these ideas or put a bunch of religions together and kind of throw them in a pot and see what comes out. And and that's what we're going to believe about heaven. 
or just to, to feel like, well, we'll never get our minds around it, so I'm not even going to think about it. But rather, we would engage it. We would study it. God, if we're going to spend the rest of our lives there, if we, if we love you, if we follow you, God, it would be a wise thing for us to understand all the things that we're going to encounter. And not just so that we can encounter those things one day, but so it can give us the hope that we need and the endurance and, the, and the, the push that we need to push through the fog and all the crap that this life throws at us. And to live in such a way knowing that sin and pain and death is not the end. That you have prepared something much, much greater that is free from all of that stuff. And one day we will stand before you and we won't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. But we will see you as you are and you've, You've got an amazing life prepared for us for all eternity. So God, I pray over the next five weeks as we look through these things, God, that you would open our eyes to see and that we would set our eyes on heaven as our hope, our home, and our reward. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.